Welcome back to Speaking Socks, presented by Tipsy Tailgate Media. I'm Aiden. I'm Ben. And we're back with episode 17. Um, we're excited to talk baseball. It's been a while, obviously. Um, last time we checked in was around the Sox when they really fell off. Um, you know, really no motivation to pick up from there. We did a couple other baseball topics mm-hmm. in our the Tipsy Tailgate podcast, which is our other podcast featuring uh, baseball, football, mostly NFL. There's some basketball in there, some hockey as well. But um, we talked about it a little bit. We didn't really get into too much of what was going on. But this is what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to touch on all of the free agent moves, some of our best uh, moves, best trades, best signings of the offseason so far. And then following that, we will um, pick our five best deals, five and one worst deal, as well as trades included. And then after that, we will go into the Red Sox. And what is our plan for the Sox? What What's the Sox plan for the Sox? Spoiler, what's there is no plan. There, there is, is no plan. plan. Yeah. So uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. We've got some hot takes coming up, um, and we're not happy. So they blow. You're definitely gonna want, yeah, you're definitely going to want to hear what we have to say. Um, so without further ado, just to read off some of the bigger – bigger moves uh, that we aren't going to talk about in the deadline. Uh, here they are. So obviously Aaron judge to the Yankees. We've got Mitch Hanniger to the giants. Um, we're going to talk about this in the Red Sox topic, but Yoshida to the Red Sox, Brandon Nimmo back to the Mets, Cody Bellinger to the Cubs, Trey Turner to the Phillies, DeGrom to the Rangers, Jose Abreu to the Houston Astros, Kode Senga to the Mets, Sean Manaya Manaya to the Giants. Uh, Christian Vasquez to the Twins, Dansby Swanson to the Cubs, Justin Turner to the Red Sox, Brandon Drury. So stupid. So stupid. Bad move. So uh, stupid. Brandon Brandon Drury to the Angels. We've got uh, potentially Carlos Correa to the Mets. That is not final yet as of December 27th when we're filming. Um, Conforto to the Giants, Taylor Rogers back to the Giants, J.D. Martinez to the Dodgers. Sad to see him go. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. Uh, Seth Lugo to the Padres, underrated move. Adam Frazier to the Orioles as well, uh, also underrated. Mike Zunino to the Guardians. Clevenger, <clears throat> uh, Mike Clevenger to the White Sox. G-Man Ch- uh, Choi to the Pirates. And David Robertson to the Mets. Um, so without further ado, Ben, do you want to get into your first um, move that you want to talk about this offseason? Yeah, the first move I want to address is Xander Bogarts to the San Diego Padres. And I, I think this uh, this move had a lot of implications and shows where a lot of teams are standing now in the MLB. Uh, obviously, the two being the San Diego Padres and the Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox clearly don't have it together right now and didn't make a competitive offer to Xander, who has been their leader and their captain for, what, in seven years, six, seven years? Of course. So, Absolute beast in the dugout there. I, I think that's a huge addition for the Padres, a team that – I honestly think could use uh, another clutch player in that lineup. I know they didn't have Tatis last postseason, and obviously that hurt their chances, even though they did go pretty far. But, I mean, you had in a guy like Xander, and honestly, I don't care that he's getting paid for eight years. I would absolutely give him the four extra years uh, on top of the four years that you now have for a legitimate World Series window uh, in adding him to a group with Machado, and and that pitching staff and Tatis and Soto for at least this year, right? So, I mean, I think this is a great move for the Padres, and they're my early World Series pick. Hey, I mean, how could you not throw them in that World Series conversation? We were just talking um, last year. They were 
you know, right around the deadline, right before they actually traded for Soto, mm -hmm. uh, Hayter, and Josh Bell. I placed a bet down on them to win it all. They came up just short. But uh, again, how's, well, how are a, you not going to? Yeah. That's a great point that you just made, too, in, in saying that we were viewing them as an elite contender type before of team him. before these moves. Before and that was Soto and yeah, Bell and now exactly. Bogart. So it just shows how deep they are now. And that was even when Tatis was recovering from injury before he was suspended. Mm -hmm. But even while he was gone, this team was still hanging around. Once they got all those pieces, you know, it was ready to go right to the World Series, win or lose uh, or win or bust. And then Tatis's thing came up. Now they have one last year before Soto needs to get paid. I think Machado comes up too. Mm -hmm. um, probably the pitching staff as well. So this is kind of the year where it's they got to make it. They got to get it done within the next couple of years, I would say. And I, I think this, I honestly think this is the year because I don't think they have the money to sign Soto. You know, they already have Tatis. Machado, right. I think, is coming off the books soon. They might have to bring him back for another one. You know, you're paying Xander, Musgrove. I think this is really the year where they have to put it all in motion. And you have all the pieces. The, the, their top, the top three pitchers in their starting rotation, that's up there with the rest of the league. And I don't think you can be debated on that. Those guys are just absolutely insane. They throw some nasty shit, especially in October, as we just saw in the postseason. Agreed. Um, so now to my uh, one of my better moves of the offseason, I'm going to go and say uh, Wilson Contreras to the San, uh, St. Louis Cardinals um, from the Cubs. Obviously, the catcher, he is phenomenal. Uh, you've seen it time and time again. Uh, he's been he's been such a good piece to this to that Cubs team for so many years. And uh, he's kind of grown into a leadership position as well over there. And the thing that everyone's kind of forgetting about is that, you know, besides obviously that World Series run, he hasn't been a part of many competitive teams there. So now looking into uh, what he's going to be able to do with a team like the Cardinals, who are, you know, made the playoffs last year, had two, the top, uh, the MVP winner and the uh, runner up. Uh, one and two with Arenado and Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt obviously won the MVP, but they go ahead and they get Wilson Contreras, uh, Contreras with a five-year, eighty-seven and a half million-dollar contract, and that's to me a great move. You know, Yadi is gone. They needed a catcher, and honestly, as much as Yadi does for that locker room, it's been a while since he's really been a huge contributor on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. Um base running wise, everything. Wilson Contreras is going to be not only a great addition to this team, but young blood that is willing to win finally on a team that is a win now mode. Yeah. Ready to compete. Exactly. And not only that, I mean, he's an all-star level guy year in, year out at the yeah. catcher position. There's not many guys you could say that for. I think he fits right into this Cardinals team. The Cardinals are another team that I think last year, you know, they kind of I had high hopes for them, not to say that they disappointed me, but they obviously lost, I think, I believe it was to the Phillies, right, um, mm -hmm. in that, that first playoff matchup, and they got knocked out right away. I think this year is a real opportunity for them to take advantage, especially with that signing. Yeah, I, I think that's a great pick as well, especially uh, for the reason that you stated, especially the offensive side of it, as you said. So yeah, hard not quite what he was, and rightfully so, I mean. He's really an old man now. Um, but the next one I want to get into uh, is Carlos Radon, uh to the Yankees. I think the one thing that I knock the Yankees for all the time, especially the last five years, 
their pitching is never on par with the rest of the teams that are top competitors in the AL, top contenders. And with this move, I, I think they finally put themselves in that class uh, with those other teams. Again, similarly to the to the Padres, you now got you have three guys that are legit studs uh, in your starting rotation, and I think that's so important, especially for the playoffs, especially in in the division series where you could literally win the series in three games, and you might have the best pitchers in each and every one of those games in a, in a matchup that you might get in the in the ALDS. So, to me, the Yankees are actually having a very good offseason, uh, especially retaining Judge. Obviously, that was huge, um, although I'm not really surprised by that. That's why I didn't choose to mention it in this. But, I mean, I think Radone, I've always been a fan of his. I believe he almost won the Cy Young, what, two years ago? Yeah. So, I mean, you just add a guy like that with with Cortez and, and uh, Garrett Cole. I, I think that the Yankees might be the favorite in the AL this season. Yeah, I mean, it's – Obviously, it's a great move. Um, I like this move uh, for a couple of reasons. Not only did they add uh, another strong, strong arm ace level guy into a ready stacked rotation, but it also, um, you know, there was a lot of hesitancy, I believe, with Yankee fans this offseason because, you know, the whole judge thing was going down. Then it seems like, all right, they emptied the bank for judge. Like, are we going to do anything else? And then you go ahead and you get a guy like that. And you're like, yeah, we're we're all (laughs) we're all in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so then my second uh, guy I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about Josh Bell to the Guardians. Um, I really like this move. So Josh Bell is a guy, obviously, they uh, he was traded uh, from the Nationals in the Soto trade to the Padres, and he was great last year. He was, mm-hmm. I don't know if he finished at 300, but he was at or above 300 the entire year. I believe he might have finished just under 300. Um, that's great from a switch hitting first baseman. He's not a terrible fielder. He's not a plus fielder, but he's not a negative fielder. You know, he's neutral. He's um he's a guy, like I said, switch hitter. He's got power. He's got pop. Uh, hitting 20, 30 home runs a year, putting up, what, 80 to 90 RBIs as well. You know, a guy like that is invaluable to any lineup especially Mm -hmm. that switch hitting aspect as i keep mentioning you know you don't really see guys like that that are switch hitters that not only bring pop but they bring a bring an average as well um so he signed a two-year deal with them and i really don't think they paid him too much like if i'm I'm gonna double check on the price here yeah two years 33 million that's really not that much when you're looking at you're looking at the red Sox going ahead and and getting a guy like um, what was it? Chris Martin for 18 million. It was 18. Yeah. Like, I mean, I understand he's a solid reliever, but you know, Josh Bell, I feel like Josh Bell's impact is, is one more valuable than, than yeah, I think, about, so. I think we can all agree on that. So I think that's a great move. And, um, also I want to let you know, Ben, just so you can keep cooking them up in your mind. If you want to just create a little bit of, uh, one or two teams that you think are winners, uh, and then one or two teams that you think are losers in the mm-hmm. off season, um, I'm going to cook up a couple for the end of this, but you can go into your next guy. Yeah. Uh, for my next guy, I'm going to go with Justin Verlander going to the New York Mets. I think this was a, a huge win for the Mets as they seem to be winning the off season right now. Um, but just, I honestly, people were freaking out. I know a lot of Mets fans were, were worried, not really uh, surprised, but obviously upset by the fact that you lose Jacob deGrom uh, to the Rangers. So uh, to me, that's an upgrade 
at this point, getting Verlander over DeGrom. I know some people might disagree with that, but I'll, I'll stand I'll stand true to that statement. Um, I don't really care how people feel about it. I think right now Verlander is a far superior pitcher to Jacob DeGrom. And one of the reasons is availability. DeGrom hasn't been fully available in what seems like a few years. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It doesn't seem like he's been fully available and doing his thing for a couple of years now. So, I mean, you get a guy who just won the, the Cy Young, just won a World Series, and you pair him back with his buddy Scherzer. I, I think it's perfect for the New York Mets. Yeah, so um, I actually have a question for you. So I think I, I'm i on the, you know, I love this move. I, I think yeah. Verlander's just an absolute figure in this game and uh, will go down as one of the best to ever do it uh, when it's all said and done. But what, so like in a worst possible situation, situation, worst possible scenario for the Mets, what if both of these pitchers that are, what, at or around 40, I believe Verlander's 40, Scherzer might be like 38, 39. Um, what if they both just, and it's, it would be hard for it to happen, but they both, you know, father time gets the best of them. They either can't pitch late in the season because they have a dead arm or they just fall off. Like, can you imagine how bad that would be for a Mets team that has went all in their yeah. 300, what, $70 million payroll over 150, I think million over the, the luxury cap. I mean, they're all in and then they're, maybe their two biggest pieces on the entire team right now are right around 40. What do you, what do you think happens if that, that I guess doomsday scenario happens for the Mets? I wouldn't hold it against the Mets as an organization at all, because these are the risks that you have to take and the money that you have to spend to win world series. It's just what you have to do. Uh, We've seen it time and time again, you have to make risky moves, costly moves. Uh, I don't see it happening with either guy. If there's listen, if there are two pitchers, uh, that I'm going to bet on uh, to succeed at, what, 38 to 39, 40 in that range, they're going to be right up there. Scherzer and Verlander are. So I don't see it happening. But if it did happen, I wouldn't hold it against the Mets at all because, as I said before, you have to take these risks. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so then on to my next one. It's kind of a little – I cheated a little bit here. It's a little bit of a duo. I've got the Phillies moves with Taiwan Walker and Trey Turner. Uh, Walker signed four years, 72 million. And then obviously they got Trey Turner. They paid, you know, the house for him 11 years, 300 million for a guy that, you know, a big part of his game is the speed. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be able to bring that burst, but he's a tiny little guy and, and, uh, he's a really solid player. And I, you know, I just love the move because the Phillies got so close. They know that this is their chance to win with Harper. They're knocking on the door. Exactly. Kyle Schwarber there, you know, this pitching staff's unreal. Um, and they made a great, they made two great moves right there. They also got Matt Strom, uh, the left-handed reliever, two years, 15 million. So, and they're my number one winner of the off season. Uh, we could just mix them in as, as you please, Ben, but they, uh, they're my number one winner. Cause you know, to be that close and then to maybe get a top three, if not two I don't know shortstop in the game right now where's where's yeah. Turner he's right around there uh and then Tom Walker I get it there's concerns that he hasn't been able to finish out a year strong but his first half of every season is like Cy Young level mm-hmm. for the past two years um and there's a reason why every Phillies pitcher is you know hitting their peak right now with the Phillies something's going right with that coaching staff and that pitching coach so 
you know, maybe they figure out how to, maybe he gets tired in the second half. Maybe you limit his innings in the first half of the season. Who knows? But if he could do what he does in the first half for the full season here, or at least the playoff stretch for the Phillies, they've got another ACE level uh, arm. And uh, yeah, I have to give it up to the Phillies. You know, they know what yeah, they're doing. I'm just going to add to that a little bit. Um, Browns- uh, I, think, I think part of the reason, obviously coaching and the pitching coaching, uh, is a huge part as to why these guys are finding the success that they are right now. But I think another huge piece of this is how electric and how good their offense is. When you're playing in front of an offense yeah. like that, you have all the confidence in the world. If you mess up, you're going to get picked up in the next inning. It's going to be all right. So they're going out there. They're just winging it. Uh, they're going for it. They're being aggressive every single at bat. And for all those reasons that we've mentioned, I think, I think the Phillies are going to be the most entertaining team to watch next season. I think you're completely right there, Ben. Um, you have another guy to talk on, or maybe is it a trade this time? Uh, so for this one, I'm going to go with Sean Murphy. Uh, it was a three-team trade. Uh, it was between Atlanta, Seattle, uh, not Seattle, Oakland, and Chicago, I believe. Uh, no, Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think Sean Murphy is one of the more underrated players in the bigs right now I think he's absolutely phenomenal um and I just it sounds awful to say but I love when teams go over and pick a guy out of Oakland and they just turn him into a superstar I think it's great um they kind of use Oakland as like screw those owners use them as like a minor league team it's kind of yeah. messed up but listen it always works it seems to always work when you find a young stud I don't know how young he is I don't think he's that young anymore but kind of entering his prime a little bit, I'd say. Um, I think it just helps uh, Atlanta out both offensively because he is a one of the better offensive catchers uh, in the league, I would say, but also defensively as, as he's one of the best defensive catchers as well. So I think it was a great move for the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, so this was one of the more funkier trades that we've seen in recent history. Um, the Braves get Sean Murphy, great, great catcher, one of the better ones in the entire league. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves trade William Contreras, which is uh well uh obviously Wilson Contreras' brother. Um, he was also an all-star this year. Uh he was also, I believe, a rookie. Was he a rookie or a second year? I think he was a second year. So a second year all-star catcher that you know has great, great hitting, you know, a top five catcher hitting ability potential, um, if not already there, uh, was shipped off in this deal. Now, I'm not completely against it because. Sean Murphy gives you that direct impact, mm-hmm. um, maybe even more defensively. I know Contreras, I don't think he was the best defensively. He played DH as well because they have Darno there. Um, but I think it was one of the more weird moves because the Braves give up Contreras. The Brewers give up some prospects uh, to, in, to the A's in like a three-team weird little trade. But the Brewers get Contreras with just some prospect. I I think the Brewers won that trade too. So I think honestly, I mean, who knows what happens with the prospects that were shipped off to the A's. If they hit, then it's a three way. Everyone's happy. But I think right now the Braves and the Brewers just fleeced (laughs) the A's. You're right. I mean, it seems like the A's are just getting shit on. They just got ripped in this deal. And another thing I love about this deal for the Braves, and I think you touched upon it a little bit there. Part of the thing that I think got to them in the playoffs last year was for some reason, it never seemed like they had any control of the games that they were playing in. It seemed like every single game that they lost kind of got away from them, which isn't like them at all. And I think bringing in 
as strong defensive of a catcher as Murphy is, that just goes, it's like a quarterback. It yeah. just brings in more control, uh, more controlled demeanor, uh, better tempo. So I, I think the, the Braves really came out on top in this one. So for my first trade, I want to get into, um, this was probably the most recent move that we've talked about yet. We have the Blue Jays got Dalton Varsho um, from from the Diamondbacks, who obviously had a great year this year, uh, really kind of came out of nowhere and produced big time for this D-backs team that, you know, was better than most people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and the D-backs get back uh, catcher Gabriel uh, Moreno, who is one of their higher prospects, I believe, um, and, and a lot of potential there when the Blue Jays didn't need him because Alejandro Kirk was an all-star this year and he kind of broke out for them. And then they also get... Uh, the outfielder <clears throat> Yuli Guriel's uh, brother, uh, Lordy's Guriel Jr., um, yeah. outfielder. So they got two nice pieces there. They did. Um, for Varsha, which I think is a good move. A team like this, you know, you want to keep staying young. And I think when there's a guy probably um, like Varsha who pops and you think you might have saw his full potential, you get your value from him now because you're not going to like. Yeah, what are the chances he's the vital part of the team that make that brings you guys to the playoffs? Not that, not very likely. Right, the chance that the catching prospect or the Guriel Jr. is, you know, it's more likely. You just want to build pieces right now. Mm-hmm. So one for two. I like the move with the Blue Jays, and I also want to say that part of that is why the D backs are the second my second winner of this offseason because they also went out and they traded for um, who I think is a very, very underrated Kyle Lewis from the Mariners. The Mariners kind of hit this point where they had so many good outfielders. The fact that um, uh, Julio Rodriguez came onto the scene the way he did this year, winning a rookie of the year and one of the better players in the entire league as a rookie. In a way, it put them in a weird spot, how yeah, good it, he was that early. 100%. I mean, not only, like, people forget, like, this is a stacked, stacked outfield. That's the best outfield in the entire league depth-wise. They've got, uh, they had Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, they traded him to the Brewers, which is also a decent move to keep an eye out for. But Winker, there was no room for him there. He got shipped out. Then they have Kyle Lewis, no room for him anymore. And he's young. He was so good his rookie year, and he's been battling injuries. But he gets shipped out to um, to Arizona for Cooper Hummel, which I believe is uh, a catching-slash-outfield prospect. But that's a great move. And then on top of that, um, you know, you think they have too much. You're also forgetting they have um, – I'm blanking on his name right now. The outfield prospect that um, came up a little bit for them last year. Give me, give me a second here. Uh, oh, um, oh, why can't I think of it? Uh, Jared Kalenic. Um, he came out onto the scene last year, I believe, and started hitting bombs left and right. And then his average tanked like to the 170s. He got sent down. So they've got him there too. And he's promising. They haven't given up on him yet, but then, you're like, okay, so now they have to offload their their outfield. And then they go ahead and they trade for Teoscar Hernandez from uh from the Blue Jays. So it's really a confusing situation here, but like I understand them offloading and then they bring in Hernandez. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, this this team is has the depth. They're not yeah. afraid of making moves. Um, so I, I want to give the credit to the Diamondbacks for not only taking advantage of them having an overcrowded outfield and getting a, what, uh, in his third year, Kyle Lewis, who has great potential. I think he's got all-star potential and, uh, and great for the Mariners for kind of, you know, 
you know, we're here to stay. They want to make an impact. They had a great year last year and they're taking advantage of it with making trades. They're not afraid to deal some guys. Yeah, it would be really easy for the Mariners to stay complacent with the roster that they had, right? You you have the best season you've had in what? 20 years? Yeah. Is that how long it was? 20 yep. years? Yeah. It would have been easy they to the record back with that group, but good on their good on their management for for making little additions to the roster and tweaking it however they could to make it better. Agreed. For my uh, uh, for my last one here, Aiden, I'm going to go with I, I agree that the Blue Jays have had a great offseason. I think that they're building a real true contender right now. And I think Chris Bassett was a perfect addition for them. Uh, he had a, obviously a great season last year uh, with the Mets, a part of that great pitching staff there. And I think he just brings a great veteran presence to this group, a very young team that I think is still growing, but needs some more veteran presence in there. So I think that was uh best of both worlds in terms of skill and um experience for for the blue jays agreed um i you know he was invaluable for the mets last year mm-hmm. um and i think he's just going to do the same with the blue jays and he's one of those yeah. solid guys around the league another guy who came from the a's that just thrives outside of the system yeah, another guy from the a's. yeah <laughs> it's really it's hilarious um so I just want to touch on a couple more of my winners and then my losers, and we'll go right into the Red Sox. So uh, I'm going to give my third. So I had the Phillies as my one winner, my the D-backs as my second winner, the Blue Jays as my third winner. Uh, just behind, uh, or not the Blue Jays, the Mariners as my third winner. My fourth winner of the offseason right behind them is the Angels. Um, I don't think anyone really saw this coming, you know, limited money to spend obviously they're, they're paying trout they're paying rendon they're paying um they're gonna have to pay shohei but you know it's pretty understood at this point that they're not going to be able to he's probably going to demand five six six fifty six hundred fifty million maybe uh he's a free agent after this year and he'll be getting paid so uh probably elsewhere as well but the angels they know they have one year left with the trout and otani combination of the century maybe even mm-hmm the history of, of any sport, you know, these two guys, but they took advantage of that and they go ahead and they grabbed uh Brandon jury uh, coming off a great year, traded to the Padres again. Um, another deadline move that the Padres made and he finished off the year. He was a very solid piece for that team. He, uh, a little infield guy can play a little a couple utility positions. They grab Hunter Renfro, another power bat, yeah. former Red Sox, uh, Gio Urshela as well. So, you know, another guy, they're kind of solidifying this team with utility pieces because they know they always get screwed with the injuries. And I feel like they know this year, you know, we have to take advantage of it. Let's go get a bunch of pieces that if someone gets hurt, we can't complain. We could just plug right, and play. Right. So uh, I have to give it up to the Angels. Another team that I'm going to put in there is the Guardians. Uh, I love the Josh Bell move. Absolutely loved it. And then I also think Mike Zunino is underrated. Uh, power guy can't really hit for an average, but he'll, he'll hit 20 to 30 home runs a year for you at that catcher position. And uh, this, this lineup's very underrated. This whole team for the Guardians is very underrated. They made some noise in the playoffs when people weren't expecting it. Uh, and then the last team I'll throw in is the Padres. We talked about it. They're improving on an already great team. How mm-hmm. could you not like it? Uh, for yeah. losers, I'm going to go into my one, and then I have a feeling. I have a feeling I know what your loser has been, but uh, we already know my loser. So my my loser, my one loser, I'm going to go into is the uh, Baltimore Orioles, and this uh, this makes me sad because I I have higher hopes for the Orioles than most people do. I think that this team is <clears throat> is very young, very youthful. They've got a lot of good pieces that they could put together, 
um, in this year and in coming years. Uh, Adley Rutschman's unreal. They've got the shortstop prospect they just called up. Um, they got the first round draft pick. They just drafted Jackson Holiday. They've got um, Kowser, I believe. They've got um, pitching prospects left and right, you know. So I was kind of disappointed when they didn't spend anything really this offseason. The only move they made, I believe, was um, Adam Frazier, which isn't a bad move. I like that move, right, but right. they should have made a couple more of those. Yeah, no, they, they it's kind of the opposite of Seattle. You have one of your best yeah. seasons in a long time. And you kind of just stand pat with it. You don't really, you don't really improve on anything. You do one little move. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. They've they've had a bad off season. And the another thing that which we'll go into right after this, the Red Sox. Um, unless they have some master plan which involves signing Soto or Otani, who will both be free agents next year, to kickstart their you know dynasty with all that young talent and then that one big hitter guy, uh, free agent. Unless that's the plan, I don't really know what they're going for here. Um, but if that is the plan, then I'm gonna keep my mouth shut because I'm yeah, gonna yeah. let I'm gonna let them do their thing. Yeah. Uh, building off of that, that's easily my worst uh, off season is the Boston Red Sox. They what are they doing? Like what are they doing? They're not doing anything. Nothing. That's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> they, they haven't made one. I mean. I guess like early on they were making some moves, but I mean, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. But what are they doing? Like, I, I understand that you're trying to fix your bullpen and you're adding arms to it. You're still not really fixing it. You're just kind of, you're just adding some talent. That doesn't fix it. It still sucks. It's not good. You haven't put any money into this roster. You still have an extended Raffi, which should have been goal one. As soon as you didn't make it work with Xander, goal number one should have been extending Raffi as soon as possible. Yeah, and if they done exactly, and if they think <clears throat> if they think his his value or his price is only going to go down, they're idiots. So wrong because you see guys like Correa, Turner, Xander, even getting paid so much money. That's the type of money that the Sox thought they would be able to pay to pay uh, uh, Raffi. Yeah, and yeah. now that they are getting paid that. His value just went through. He's going to be hitting maybe 400. He'll be around judge numbers because he waited or not because he waited because we've waited to bring him back to discuss, to negotiate. He's, I mean, Rafi's smart. He's going to sit back. The more people that sign, the more money he, he makes. It's, it doesn't make I don't know what our plan is. You're right. Well, and Rafi, Rafi and Xander have said repeatedly that they want to be on the same team. And didn't you just say that Machado might be up at the end of the year? Something around there, yeah. I I think in coming. If Machado's up at the end of the year, I would not be stunned at all. And San Diego doesn't re-sign Soto. Would not be stunned at all if they snatch Rafi from us. Would not be stunned at all. So he's got an opt-out clause after this season. So okay, so my guess is that he opts out. Yeah. If Soto leaves and that leads him to opt out, would not stun me at all if they go take Rafi Devers from the Red Sox. Hey, and then they're right back into it, you know? And then they're right back with their group. So, I mean, the Red Sox are a joke right now. So, yeah, so here's my here's my thing on it, and then we'll touch on the Yoshida signing. Um, Which I was a fan of. I got to give him credit for that. That yeah. was a good signing. But at the same time, I believe Verdugo's up at the end of this year. So is it the same thing with Trevor's story? You sign a guy who plays the same position as an expiring contract on your roster, and you need to fill that hole? So you're more looking to the future when you lose Verdugo 
and that's where you put them. I mean, to me, it gives me a similar feeling to that. It does. It does feel like we're making signings to replace guys instead of building on what we already what we have. already have. It makes no um, sense to me at all. Here's my other thing: the moves for the bullpen: Kenley Jansen, uh, Jansen, <clears throat> Chris Martin. I believe we had. Uh, well, who else did we get? We got one other guy, I believe. Um, I thought it was just those two to be. Honest. It might. It might just be those two. It might be like a like a fringe guy, but those two moves. Yeah, I get it. We needed bullpen. We needed bullpen desperately. But those are moves unless, not to cut you off. Yeah. Those are moves that are very valuable if you already have a good bullpen. Those aren't like guys that you say, hey, fix our bullpen. Those are guys that you would add at like a deadline or something and be like, let's add this piece to our already very good bullpen. Agreed. It isn't a fixing trade, it's an add-on. Yeah. And and to that point, um, I don't know what the plan is <clears throat> with this whole rotation, but if our plan is for Tanner Houck to be um, a starter and for um, Garrett Whitlock to be a starter, kind of like what we did a little bit last year, then those two moves aren't enough at bullpen. But if we're going to keep those two Houck and Whitlock in the bullpen, then we have the worst rotation in all of baseball. Yeah. So like no matter which way you look at it, we either have a weak rotation or we either have a weak bullpen, or if we split them up, we have both. Like just mediocre bowl. Yeah, it's like, just me exactly. So those are my thoughts on some of the moves, but let's get into Yoshida. So he's a 29-year-old um uh, out of Japan, five years, 90 million. So we're more than willing to give give the bag to uh to an out of out to an international player rather than a homegrown Bogart. He's basically an unknown commodity. We're not sure. We think we know, but we don't know. I also think he's like five eight or something. So he's He's a small His guy. Isn't what is gonna doesn't really bother me because I'm not a big like your size determines how good you are in sports. I think he's gonna be very good. I just think again, it's the kind of move that you make when you have an already very good existing roster, which yeah. they don't have. They have a bad roster, a really bad roster. So, and the other thing on that is, um, you know, he's not a he's not a power hitter in the slightest, but he no. doesn't strike out at all. Like probably one of the best, I think he would have one of the best rates in the entire MLB. If you took his stats from uh, the internet in Japan. So his strikeout rate is great. He gets, he makes contact with the ball. Um, I'm sure he's got some base running skills, hopefully uh, for a guy that's, you know, supposed to be a, a contact on base guy. Uh, I'd expect that at least hopefully he's an above average outfielder. You don't really know how it translates to the major, especially if he's playing in um, well, already would he be playing right or left? Cause if he's playing left, then you got the monster. If he's playing right, you got that deep little divot over there. Yep. You know, it's really a difficult outfield to learn. Uh, especially for a guy who's never probably never played in a field that's that complex. So there's a lot going on there. Um, we also play, we also paid a $15.4 million posting fee to get him, I believe before that he was posted on the deadline. Um, there's some international rules with that. So we have to pay the team extra additional money. The total of the deal was 105.4 million. So we hit over the $100 million mark, which I think might be the first time since what Pablo Sandoval and, and those guys. So, you know, if the point is like they're just war the ownership's just warming up to de- deals of this stature, 100 million, 200 million, 
why are we just warming up to 100 to 200, not even 200, $100 million deals when the league has already moved to 300, 300 to $400 million deals? And you were the why team, are we so behind the ball? You were the team seven years ago that didn't care how much it costs to get a guy. You used to be that team. And now all of a sudden, you're just not paying for anyone. No one. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's honest. It. I can't stand it. The state of the Red Sox is actually embarrassing. I would argue that the lack of money that they put into this team the last three years now, it's been a few years, at least two. That's more embarrassing and more offensive to me as a fan than letting Matt Patricia call plays on offense. It's, it's a joke. The face. Yeah, it's I, a joke. Especially to the fans who are supporters. At least the Pats, at least the Pats thought that Patricia could do it. The Red Sox damn well know that this roster is good enough to compete. At least the Pats are still fringe playoff team right now. Worse in the division. Like if imagine if the Pats are the worst in the division. Like so bad. It's so uh, bad. It really is. It's it's embarrassing, exactly is the word. Uh the other thing I want to say is what when my question for you, when do you think if ever, does this change? Do you think there's an overall plan or do you think that it has to be a change of either management or ownership? I think it has to be a change of both management and ownership. I I think that Henry has finally, the more teams he's bought, especially with the Penguins last year, that was a big one. The more teams that they have bought, the less money he has put into the Sox. And rightfully so. I mean, in a way, it's business. So you're, you're putting money into all these other teams. You have less money to put into the Sox. That's just natural. It's math. So they're not, yeah. So they're then not. get rid of the team. If exactly. you don't have the money to fund the team correctly, get rid of the team. And then to boot, there's teams like the Mets with Steve Cohen now that are spending every single dollar, you know, under the sun to get guys just in the sole purpose of winning. Um, it's, I think it's going to start a little bit of a, a little bit of a revolution around sports. And I think owners are going to start doing this. You know, there's two ways this goes. Every team either starts selling, like this, the value of teams go through the roof and teams just start selling to billionaires who are going to yeah. spend, 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 or MLB is going to have to infiltrate some type of cap, like not a luxury tax, but like an actual cap because, you know, I'm okay with with spending, spending, spending and having guys like Steve Cohen and making this an ultra competitive league. But on the other hand, there's teams like what seems like the Red Sox now and the A's and and the Diamondbacks, all these the teams that the Rays, well. yeah, there's teams that won't spend that. And, you know, the money ball way will get you so far nowadays, you know, yeah. when there's Steve Cohen dropping three hundred eighty million dollars, it's eventually going to catch up to the Rays who what? to 150 payroll total whatever it is like it's going to catch up <clears throat> there's two ways this goes a salary cap in the future or just a rampage of new owners willing to spend to win i think that's what it's going to have to take i i also saw i was talking about this i think a month ago there's a there's a new rumor recently kind of died down but that henry is interested in now buying the washington commanders and to buy the commanders he would have to sell the Red Sox. Oh. So I hope that happens. I genuinely hope that happens because I'm done with it. I, well, obviously, yeah. we'll take the Sox. We'll take Bezos. Give, give Bezos. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll oh, buy yeah. everyone. We'll literally, we'll, he'll pay we'll enough money to bring we back buy the clone. We'll bring back, we'll bring back a clone of David Ortiz in his prime. Yes. Barry yes. Bonds, 
everyone, Babe Ruth, <laughs> Babe they'll Ruth. have enough money. Yeah, enough money to clone everyone, bring them back to their prime. That's what we're gonna need. We're yeah, gonna that, need that's it. the that's the kind of turnaround that this roster needs. It's it's bad. It's bad. The one great player on this team is Rafi Devers. There's no other great player. And he's, I'm sure, almost ready to pack the bags. I bet they're already packed. I think uh, and I, I can't blame him. Again, I can't blame him. You can't blame him. Um, yeah, I mean, unless you have anything else to touch on, that's basically the entire recap that we kind of summed up a couple months of of drama and, and signings and deals falling through in the case of Carlos Correa. Um, so that's basically everything that's happened up to now. We we're going to keep you guys updated. We want to talk more Red Sox, but like they got to give us something to talk, you know? Um, oh, please. If this continues, I'll have a lot to talk about a lot. Yeah, so, uh, so make sure to, uh, follow us on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Spotify, Apple podcast at tipsy tailgate media for speaking socks for the tipsy tailgate, which is our NFL NBA, uh, a little bit of baseball as well. Maybe some NHL. Uh, we're talking everything there. So definitely watch our podcast, follow us on all the social medias um, and uh, keep up with our content Buy our merch. We've got new merch out there. It's hot. Um, it's going off the shelves fast. So uh, definitely check us out on all those socials. And uh, I guess, you know, until next time, until we get a signing, maybe. Yeah, fuck the socks. I'd, I'd like to end this episode on fuck the socks. They, they, oh, yeah. They're a joke. They suck. They are a joke. Sell the team, Henry. Sell the team. Just sell them. Sell them. You're not committed to the team. Sell them. Just sell them. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>